Welcome to Fort McMurray Matters. Keeping you connected to our community. Brought to you by Cooper & Company Law Firm and Fort McMurray Orthodontics on Mix 103.7. Welcome to the show. Today I'm joined over the phone by Mayor Sandy Bowman and we're going to talk about the council meeting. How are you doing today? Good, how are you doing? Alex? I'm doing good. Well, I guess we'll start with the property tax because that is kind of a big one coming up. Um, you kind of mentioned we do have the lowest property tax in all of Alberta and the region. So kind of what are the changes being announced for that? Yeah, so um, we have just our moving towards that five five to one ratio uh just change the prop tax a bit uh urban residential taxes have decreased by 14 percent since 2010 and rural residential rates have decreased 12 percent since 2010. so we're on a we're really committed to like fiscal responsibility and fiscal management while keeping our property taxes low and like you said we have the lowest property tax in alberta we want to we want to maintain that for our residents while still be able to provide the core services and to our urban and rural residents how is that going to work like when you send that out to people of like the property tax assessment how is that kind of or the property tax rate bylaw how is that kind of going to work um you'll see different uh just a little bit of fluctuation and actually, uh, a lot of taxes go down because the provincial education and school taxes have actually dropped. So no one's really going to see much of a change in their property tax rates as it comes out. And then I guess we'll move on to the Wood Buffalo housing. They kind of they came in and asked for some funding to help with their mortgage payment, and they do offer a lot of like social services and lower rent to people within our region. What were they asking for, and kind of how will it assist them? Yeah, so it's really important for us to support affordable housing for our residents. Um, and really value and appreciate the partnership we have with Blue Buffalo Housing and all the work they do. Um, and what this what this will do is alleviate some uh, huge debt they've occurred over the last few years. Um, basically, due to the economy changing, uh, the downturn economy, and same they've experienced the same downturns with pandemic, fire, floods as everyone else has. So we really want to support it, and it's, it's an important service um, that we do need to provide for our community. And this gives a sustainability to the organization and gets them to plan for the future. Um, and in that planning, to plan for more housing for people that need it in our community. With the funding, like it'll just help them like alleviate the stuff, but it won't open like necessarily any new housing or anything like that. No, it just gives them a chance to plan for the future. And then I guess we'll move on to the transit master plan because that one is pretty exciting. Um, some talks of on-demand services. Um, when will that kind of start to be rolled out? When will What will the on-demand services look like? What is the new transit plan looking like? Yeah, the transit plan is a huge document and huge file. It, uh, we've been waiting for it to kind of come to fruition for a few years, so it was great to see it come to council last night to really thank the administration for all the hard work they did on it. Um, and even the local groups that came in to support it yesterday. We heard from Cano College, we heard from the McCoy Group, um, and different uh, stakeholders in the community, including the Ukrainian Association. But it's really a, it's a five-year plan, and uh, it focuses on grid service, affordability, and accessibility. And one, what we heard a lot from the community was that need for accessibility in our community um, when it comes to transit. Um, that seemed to be a, an area we really need to focus on. And we talk about the on-demand, uh, what that's going to, going to do is go to uh, low service areas that didn't really experience a high ridership. So people can um, book the bus or transit on demand and it will come to a certain bus stop in their in their area to pick them up. So it'll kind of 
it'll be more people in buses on low ridership areas where they normally wouldn't be. So the buses wouldn't be going like 24-7 in the, I guess obviously not 24-7, but they wouldn't be going like, let's say every 20 minutes. It would be like you book it and then it'll be like, okay, the bus will be here in about this much time. And then you head to the stop and go. Yeah, exactly. So it'd be a specific uh, bus stops around the locations where the bus normally wouldn't go. But if someone um, went on the app and needed the bus there, then they will take make that part of the route. Awesome. And then also, like, they were kind of talking about switching some of the routes to core routes of, that's more in, like, phase two, and obviously after some council deliberations and seeing how on-demand works. But with that, like, how would that work with the on-demand routes? Because I saw it would take, like, people from, let's say, Thickwood to downtown Keanu College kind of area. Yeah, our core routes, we'll keep, uh, we're just going to make that more, um, uh, just increase the service of those areas so there's more buses traveling at uh, peak times and going through the different areas of town and kind of keep that rotation going so there's more accessibility and more more availability of buses. But the on-demand one, that, that'll be for the lower ridership areas. So that won't, do, won't include the core, the core areas, won't be on-demand. And then going into, I guess we'll talk about the Fire Smart program ahead of the wildfire season and kind of what is that looking like for the municipality? So if any community understands the importance of uh, Fire Smart at this community at this time, uh, everybody's very aware of the need for it in our community. Um, I really want to thank the Regional Emergency Services for bringing this forward and Chief Jody Butts um, to just give us the outlook and know they're looking for additional funding. We definitely support um, any extra funding we can get from the provincial government at any time, especially when it looks this. We, we really want to look forward to like uh, increasing the projects for ANZAC, Fort Chippewa, and John Day, um, as those are our rural communities, and get that funding out to those communities so we can enhance the fire smart in those areas. Awesome. And what will the fire smart like kind of do for the municipality? Like, how does it work? Uh, fire smart, a lot of what it does uh, cut the underbrush. Um, we see if you see right at the bottom of Thickle Boulevard uh, just today. There's a controlled burn going down the bottom of Thickle Boulevard, um, and that's, it just makes the community safer and uh, less uh, chances of the fire starting in those areas. And then I guess we'll kind of transition into, since we're talking about the environment, you, um, you were actually up in Ottawa to talk about the Imperial Curl Leak. What is that kind of looking like, and what did you guys speak on? Yeah, so we were invited uh, by the Standing Committee for Environment and Sustainable Resources um, as a witness. Uh, to what happened at the uh, Tailings Pond Lake at Curl Lake. Um, we were first notified actually about it in February, uh, actually by ATCs who notified us. We did, actually were never were notified by uh, the AER or Imperial Oil. It was ATC that first notified us in February. Um, and our main main thing there is the importance of, of, that, of our communities in the north and make sure they're protected, make sure the traditional ways are protected. And, and make sure that they have clean drinking water in the community of Fort Chippewan and even further farther to Fort Fitzgerald that our northern communities have clean drinking water. And that's, that's something that everyone, no one in Canada should ever have to worry about turning on a tap and not having clean drinking water. Um, we operate the uh, water treatment plant in Fort Chippewan, so we're very much a huge stakeholder in, in all of this. And we want to make sure our residents in Fort Chip One are, are taken care of and are safe. Is there like any change right now that they're announcing of like what they're going to do, or is it just still under investigation? Um, it's all under investigation right now. It was, as I believe, it was three days of uh, meetings that went on, uh, and uh, several Indigenous communities from here, as well as environmental groups, uh, were actually in the meetings uh, as witnesses. And now that uh, committee will take that away 
and give recommendations after the investigation is completed. Do you know what time like they would be wrapping that up or is it just kind of still up in the air? I know the meetings, have, the meetings with the witnesses have completed, but I'm not sure when they'll come back with any recommendations. Is there anything else that I missed that you'd like to touch on that you think is of importance? No, I think the main thing is, uh, this is like, as we mentioned before, it's uh, kind of, we've got through the flood, very thankful to all the residents for staying away from the mitigation and uh, that'll be coming down the next little while we'll see all that being dismantled. Um, it's nice to get through flood season without any floods, uh, but now we're heading into wildfire season. So just for the community to be aware um, that anything at all, cigarette butts thrown at the window or ATVs, no ATVs in the, in the uh, Boreal Forest, uh, check your ATVs before you take them out. I know that's all winter mud kind of caking in there and dried debris are in the exhaust. Uh, that can start fires pretty fast, so um, really be aware of what's going on with the community. Nice to have rain right now, but uh, the nice temperatures and the weekend coming up will be a great time to get out in your OHVs and enjoy the boreal forest, but be aware of uh, the rest of fire. Awesome. Well, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks, Alex. We're back to Fort McMurray Matters. Brought to you by Cooper & Company Law Firm and Fort McMurray Orthodontics on Mix 103.7. Welcome to the show. My name is Alex McLeod. Today I'm joined in studio by Kelly and Tanisha from Steps for Life and also Threads of Life. Kind of, who are you and what do you do? I'm Kelly Dick. I'm the uh, safety manager for Birch Mountain Enterprises. I've been doing the Steps for Life now. I believe that this is my seventh year. We've had a bit of a gap because of COVID, but that's it. And I'm I'm Tanisha Verge. I'm a health and safety advisor here at uh, Suncor Base Plant. Also volunteer with the Wood Buffalo Regional Safety Committee, and that's where we really work with the Threads of Life to promote the Steps for Life and put on the event every year. And what kind of is Steps for Life? And in like working with that, what also is Threads of Life? Threads of Life is uh, the organization that puts on the Steps for Life, and they support um, families that have been impacted by uh, workplace injury and death. And then the Steps is the their biggest fundraiser that they have during the year. And it's just usually a 5K walk in various communities across uh, the province. And all the proceeds go towards supporting those families. And how do they like support those impacted by the workplace tragedies? Like where does the money go specifically? So all the proceeds from the Steps for Life uh, support the Threads for Life. And they are supporting more than uh, 3,350 family members across the country. And, w- and when we talk about uh, some of the donations, for instance, if you actually go on to, to provide a donation, something like $161.53 provides one family forum participant meals for one day, $98.50, travel for a speaker to share their story to a co-op class, and $48.50 sends threads newsletters for one year to uh, six family members. How has it grown over the past years and how do you raise awareness for this these events and raising money kind of thing. So I, I definitely say it's it's grown quite a bit. Um, this is actually their 20th year promoting Threads of Life. So last year alone, they raised more than $800,000. The promotion is really done within the community and it's how we can best communicate it out to those to attend these walks, to donate. Um, you know, co- companies and organizations can provide a sponsorship to the events as well. So that's a big charitable donation. We have a couple of different levels, uh, 200 
250 to 499 that's stepping forward an advocate is 500 to 749 dollars a supporter is 750 to 1499 a leader is 1500 to 1999 and a champion is 2000 and above so a lot of you know for us the ACSA Energy Safety Canada has really supported us within this community but that tends to be you know we do have the big national sponsorships and it's just to help raise that awareness and um, provide their support for raising these funds. Do you have any kind of like stories of positive impacts of like people who have been affected by your organization and kind of like how it's benefited them? So yeah actually the day of the walk we will have a spokesperson uh, her name is Winnie she has actually been affected by a workplace incident uh, so she'll be speaking to her story the day of the walk and so we'll kind of leave it for that so you guys can hear the impact of her story that day. And since it is kind of more of a serious topic of like talking about a workplace tragedy or death or injury whatever it may be how do you kind of balance that with like the fun of like being outdoors and going on the walk with everyone yeah that's you know it's it's definitely a tough one I think the conversation around that kind of stuff is even tough day to day but I think when we put the spotlight on what this can do for the families and individuals that have been affected I think that's what really brings the people together to say hey you know what we need to do this and we need to work together to ensure that we can provide these people with the support that they need kind of coming out of that what is your goal for the walk well we have surpassed our goal quite a bit already this year we were set at a 5,000 uh, target we surpassed that we upped it to 7,500 surpassed that uh, we've put it to 10,000 and we're currently sitting I think about $9,300 so you know the more that we can raise the better I mean we all know it's going for a great cause and as well as for the numbers I think we've typically seen 60 to 120 people previously it, you know it tends to range I mean the more that we can have out there the better it'll be we, we hope to have a barbecue that day so that'll be after the walk it would just be hot dogs and some you know fruits and stuff like that and juice boxes and water but uh you know even to have everyone together after to kind of em embrace the thing that we're doing that day right kind of just to wrap it up where is this all occurring how can people learn more donate whatever it may be is there a website yeah absolutely um so the walk is happening on may 6th it'll be happening at the doug barnes cabin is where the kickoff I guess, or the opening ceremonies will take place. Uh, so for the Birchwood Trails, the opening ceremonies is at 11, registrations at 10. We we do want it to be a paperless event. You can register online. Um, so that's the stepsforlife.ca, www.stepsforlife.ca. Um, and then from there, when you go to the locations, you'll actually go to Fort McMurray. Then that's where it'll tell you to register. Uh, you can donate from there. The day of, we will have those little squares. Uh, so if anyone wants to put a donation that day, we do want it to be cashless if we can. Um, so if there is a donation, we'd like to use the squares if you're doing it that day, like I said. Awesome. Well, I just want to say thank you very much for coming in and letting us know more about that. Yeah. Thank you. No, thanks. And uh, hope to see as many people there as we can. That's the end of another edition of Fort McMurray Matters. Want a copy of this episode or any past episode? Download the podcast at Mix1037FM.com. Brought to you by Cooper & Company Law Firm and Fort McMurray Orthodontics on Mix103.7.